Thank you, Ron and Linda and Nancy, for helping us out this morning. We appreciate that so very much. How good it is to worship God is a, with one voice today. Amen? How precious that is. For our scripture lesson today, God has led me to Joshua chapter 3. We'll begin at verse 9. We're going to read all the way through chapter 4, verse 9. And uh, you can follow along on the screen or turn in your Bible to follow along there if you choose. And while you're doing that, I would just welcome all of you who are listening or watching online. What a great joy to have you with us. You too are a part of our extended family this morning. And uh, we invite you in and we trust that the Spirit of God will work and speak to you too. Thank you for being a part of our extended family this morning. We look forward to meeting you in person one Sunday. Today's scripture reading from Joshua chapter 3, verse 9. Hear the word of God. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and the Termites. Oh, no, excuse me. There was no, there was no termites. Sorry, my, my error. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all of the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap and a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite, over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. 
So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, and according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. And Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Let us pray. Lord, come. Speak to us. As we still our bodies, as we silence our lips, as we open our ears and our hearts and our minds, we invite you to speak to us now. All week long, we hear lots of sounds, lots of noises, maybe some music, other voices, but this is your time, Lord. We pause and we still our lives before you today that we might hear the word of God coming to us clearly and boldly with power and authority. So God, come, meet us in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Dear people loved by God, tomorrow we celebrate... Memorial Day. And what do we do on Memorial Day? Well, you probably are going to take the day off if you don't already have it off. Maybe you're going to sleep in a little bit. Some of you might do that and just enjoy the holiday, right? You might have a cookout, put some burgers or hot dogs on the grill. Maybe you'll go to see a parade. Maybe you'll visit a veteran's memorial. But what is the most important thing that we could do on Memorial Day? We remember, right? We remember. Now, I don't know about you, but as I get older, my memory needs a little boost once in a while. Maybe you too. Where did I place the car keys? Where did I set that television remote control? Okay. What did I come into this room to get? I came in here for a reason. I know it. I can't even remember now that I'm here. What was I going to do? Maybe you forget a birthday of someone in your family, or worse yet, you forgot your own anniversary. You're in the doghouse. Years ago, President George Bush visited a Washington, D.C. nursing home. The president began his tour down the main hallway and passed by a little old man who didn't seem to notice him. Sensing this, President Bush backtracks to the resident and ask, do you know who I am? The little old man looks up from his walker and says, no, but if you go to the front desk, they can tell you your name. <laughs> I love that one. As the late Al Jepkis, one of our charter members, used to say, he goes, you know, getting old and losing your memory isn't all bad. He said, I'm meeting new friends every day. 
Thankfully, God knows that we need a little help remembering. God knows that our memories can fail us from time to time, that we all need a little boost. Did you know that the Bible is full of memorials and monuments which God uses to help us remember important things and events, even the promises of God? In Genesis 28, Jacob heard a heard in a dream God's promise to bless his descendants, and upon waking, he established a stone monument to remind himself and his descendants of God's promises. The Jewish holiday Passover is established as a memorial to remind the Israelites of God's faithfulness in delivering them from slavery to the Egyptians, how he spared them. Jesus himself establishes a memorial meal to be celebrated by believers everywhere as a remembrance of His sacrifice on the cross. This do in remembrance of me, says Jesus. When you drink it, when you eat of it, remember me. And in today's passage, we find that God instructed the Israelites to set up a monument of 12 stones, stones taken from the riverbed of the Jordan River, to commemorate the event and remind future generations of what God had done in bringing the Israelites through the river and into the promised land. When your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them, says the Lord, that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. That is to help them be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness and leading them through into the promised land. I don't know about you, but my memory needs a little help sometimes, uh, a little prodding or prompting. And so today, I want to invite you to remember... uh, Four incredible things with me on this Memorial Day weekend and on which we acknowledge and recognize our graduates as well. There are four things. You might want to take out your outline and fill them in as we go if you like. The first thing that we remember this day and tomorrow and hopefully all of our days is fallen comrades. Just say it with me. Fallen comrades. Soldiers. First and foremost, Memorial Day is a day to remember the men and women who have, who have lost and given their lives while fighting in the United States Armed Forces. Around 1.3 million persons have sacrificed their lives to protect and defend our country and the many freedoms and privileges that we enjoy as Americans. 1.3 million since our nation's birth. And yes, each and every one of these persons, a son, a daughter, perhaps a father, a mother, a grandma, or a grandpa, an aunt or an uncle, maybe a niece or a nephew, a husband or a wife, maybe a friend or a neighbor, each and every one a precious life, a valuable soul. Maybe you know someone who died in combat while on the battlefield or in one of our world wars. Maybe you know someone who left for a tour of duty and never came back, never saw his or her spouse or children again. Maybe you know a veteran who has fought and has been laid to rest, has since passed. Would you remember these precious lives, these fallen soldiers, these fallen comrades this Memorial Day weekend? 
may we never forget that freedom is not free. Consider their sacrifice. Consider the freedoms that we enjoy because of their sacrifice. Maybe this weekend you want to watch a parade. I think they still have a parade downtown. Attend a veteran's memorial. Visit a veteran's monument. Maybe right here in Waterloo. Thank a living veteran for their service to this country. I want to just take a moment right now to acknowledge all who have served this nation. If you are a veteran, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, would you please stand? We just want to honor you. And if you are a widow or a widower of someone who served, would you please stand? Widows and widowers, we acknowledge you and we thank you and we salute you today. Let us remember our fallen comrades and those who are still living among us. Number two, we remember today, tomorrow, and always faithful companions. Just say it with me, faithful companions. Over the years, Memorial Day has expanded beyond just remembering fallen soldiers to remembering loved ones as well. My father used to call Memorial Day Decoration Day. Some of you remember that. Because not only did we remember fallen soldiers, but we decorated the graves of loved ones with a pot of flowers. My sister Sharon and Mary are taking care of my parents' graves back in Holland, Michigan this year. When I get back to Michigan over Christmas time, I will very often take a little time just to go to uh, Restlawn Memorial Cemetery where they're buried and just pay the grave a visit. I'm often amazed at the emotions that well up within me during that time. So I miss my mom and dad. I will always love them. I kind of talk to them, even though you know, they're not there. But maybe you too have lost loved ones. Many of you have. Parents, siblings, a spouse, family members, friends, maybe even a beloved child. Remembering them may be sad, but here's the good news. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4 to believers, you and I, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep, that is, those who've passed, those who've died, or to grieve like the rest of people who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. The truth is, my mom and dad are with Jesus this very moment. I miss them. I love to see them. I'd love to talk to them. Sometimes I want to just pick up the phone and share something with them. But it'd be rather selfish of me to want them to return to this earth. Or worse yet, to somehow blame God for taking them from me. The loss of loved ones can be painful, no doubt about it, especially when that loss is tragic and premature. But as believers, we do not grieve like people without hope. Amen? We do have hope. We know that death is not the end. We know that this separation is merely temporary. 
We know that a great reunion is going to be had someday with all of those who have gone before. What a great and glorious day it will be. You say, well, my loved ones weren't all that good to me. Maybe your mom or dad were not that kind. Well, here's the thing. Maybe you have some unfinished business that you need to take care of, and maybe that could be done this weekend. Maybe you need to make amends with a loved one, even though they are no longer living. Maybe there's an apology that needs to be offered, a confession to make, a grievance to let go of. Maybe there's something to tell him or her thank you for, which you were never able to do while they were living. You see, just because they are no longer here in body doesn't mean that you can't take care of some unfinished business in your heart and in your prayers between you and God. Visit the grave. Make peace. Make peace in your heart. Remember and thank God how much he or she meant to you for his or her life. On this Memorial Day weekend, we, we remember fallen comrades. We remember faithful companions. And thirdly, we remember your Father Creator. Say it with me. Your Father Creator. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. In verse 6, remember him, your creator, before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. What does that mean? The author is saying, remember, Father God, your creator, before it's too late. Before the silver chain holding up the golden lamp bowl snaps and the whole thing comes crashing down. It's a metaphor for aging and death. Because someday, my friends, it will be too late. It will be too late. Wise King Solomon says, remember your creator while you are young. Perhaps he is speaking to our graduates today. Why should we remember your Creator when we are young? I can think of several reasons. First, it gives you more time to grow in God. Those who come to the Lord Jesus late in life sometimes make a comment that I've heard, I wish I had come sooner. I think of all of those years that I've wasted the younger you come to Jesus, the more years you get to walk with Him and grow and mature. The younger you come to Jesus, the more time you have to enjoy God and the blessings of life as you walk this earth. And the younger you come to Jesus, the more energy you still have to serve Him, to love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those of us who are a bit older, we realize that our energy doesn't last forever. Come to the Lord when you are young. Serve Him with your youth and your vigor, your energy. 
Because as Solomon wisely points out, one day it will be too late. Acknowledge God while you are young. Don't despise Him. Follow Jesus. He is, after all, your Creator, the one who gave you life and breath. You can work the rest of your life, graduates. You'll have plenty of time to make money, trust me. But don't forget to worship your Creator on Sunday mornings. Make God and church a top priority. Establish these habits early in your life, and may they serve you well for the rest of your days. But God is not merely your Creator. He's your Father as well. Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. He said, how many of you have fathers, even though you're sinful, you earthly fathers, how many of you know how to give good gifts to your children? If they ask for bread, you wouldn't give them a steak. If they, if they ask for uh, uh, um, bread, if they ask for uh, other things, you wouldn't give them a stone, right? If they're hungry, you give them something that's helpful to them, something that will help them. And then Jesus said, if you then, although you are earthly, humanly fathers and you're sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Psalm 103 said, as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Like a good father, God provides and protects and preserves his children. He is your rock and your refuge in times of trouble. He's the good shepherd, the gate for the sheep, the vine, the living water. He is your perfect heavenly father, and you are his precious child. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So graduates and everybody, remember your Father Creator in the days of your youth or whatever age you may be. He is the God who created you, redeems you, and sustains you. He is the one who gave you this very life to enjoy. Don't bite the hand of the one who feeds you. Turn to him before it's too late. Today, tomorrow, and always, we remember fallen comrades, faithful companions, your father creator, and fourthly, our feeble Christ. Say it with me. Our feeble Christ. Why feeble? Soldiers in uniform have secured national freedom. Jesus secures spiritual freedom for you and me with His death. This is a freedom that surpasses national boundaries. This is a freedom that supersedes political laws of the land. This is a freedom that no one can take away from you. This is a freedom that begins the moment you believe in Jesus and lasts forever and ever into eternity. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
There once was a man named George Thomas, preacher in a small Texas town. One Sunday morning, he came to church, the church building, carrying a rusty, bent old birdcage and set it by the pulpit. Eyebrows were raised as in, if in response the preacher began to speak. I was walking through town yesterday when I saw a young boy coming toward me swinging this birdcage. On the bottom of the cage were three little wild birds shivering with cold and fright. I stopped the lad and asked, what do you have there, son? Just some old birds, came the reply. What are you going to do with them, I asked. Take them home and have some fun with them, he answered. I'm going to tease them and pull out their feathers and make them fight. I'm going to have a real good time. But you'll get tired of those birds sooner or later. What will you do then? Oh, I got some cats, said the little boy. They'll like them. I'll take the birds to them. The preacher was silent for a moment. How much do you want for those birds, he asked. Huh, why do you want these birds, mister? They're just plain old field birds. They don't sing. They ain't even pretty. How much? The preacher persisted. The boy sized up the preacher as if he were crazy and said, Ten dollars. The preacher reached in his pocket and took out a $10 bill, and he placed it in the boy's hands. In a flash, the boy was gone. The preacher picked up the cage and gently carried it to the end of the alley where there was a tree and grassy spot. Setting the cage down, he opened the door, and by softly tapping the bars, persuaded the birds out, setting them free. Well, that explained the empty birdcage on the pulpit. And then the preacher began to tell this story. One day, Satan and Jesus were having a conversation. Satan had just come from the Garden of Eden, and he was gloating and boasting. Yes, sir, I just caught a world full of people down there, set me a trap, used bait I knew they couldn't resist. Got them all, he said. What are you going to do with them, Jesus asked. Satan replied, oh, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to teach them how to marry and divorce each other, how to hate and abuse each other, how to drink and smoke and curse. I'm going to teach them how to invent guns and bombs and kill each other. I'm really going to have fun. And what will you do when you are done with them, Jesus asked. Oh, I'll kill them, Satan glared proudly. How much do you want for them, Jesus asked. Oh, you don't want those people. They ain't no good. Why, they'll take them and you'll, they'll just hate you. They'll spit on you and curse you and kill you. You don't want these people. How much? Jesus asked again. Satan looked at Jesus and sneered. All oh, your blood, all your tears, all your life. And Jesus said, done. And then he paid the price. And the preacher picked up the cage and walked off the pulpit. We've been set free by Jesus. I know the story's not perfect theologically, but it makes a point. What a shame when we fail to say thank you to veterans who have paid the price to secure the freedoms of our nation. 
But what an even greater shame when persons ignore and take for granted the freedom that Jesus Christ died to give you and me. May we not take the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. Let us never forget what Jesus did for each one of us. Sometimes we take it for granted. We became numb to this marvelous act of love, Jesus' death on the cross, that we could live and enjoy freedom from sin and Satan and death. Now, of course, we remember the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate that every Easter. We celebrate that every Sunday. Also, we remember the the ascension of Jesus, the fact that He's reigning, that even now He is sitting at the right hand of God and He reigns and rules over all that is. But today I want to invite you, and especially graduates, to think about the feeble Christ, the Christ that suffered, the Christ that gave His life for you. Why? Because someday you're going to feel feeble too. Trust me. Life will have a way of beating you down. Things will not always go your way and you will not always understand. People will hurt you and betray you. Jobs and careers will not always turn out the way you hoped. Relationships will not always work. Life will take many twists and turns along the way, and you too will find yourself hurting and broken and feeble. And when you do, it helps you to know that Jesus understands. He's been there. He's been hurt and rejected, abused. He is broken, and He gives His life for you. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. We hear lots of graduation speeches and commencement addresses that focus on fulfilling your dreams and all of the great things. You can do anything you set your mind to. Dream it and do it. Believe in yourself. The whole world is ahead of you. And that's great. Those are all true. You're loaded with potential. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're not. It's all great advice, but what do you do when you fail? Where do you turn? What do you do then? May I suggest that we remember our feeble Christ, the fact that He knows and He understands hurt and pain and rejection as well. He sympathizes with us in our time of need, and He understands brokenness and pain. These are the four things that I want to urge you today to remember, not just today, tomorrow, every day. Fallen comrades, faithful companions, our Father God, your feeble Christ. And maybe today, in keeping with our Scripture passage, you want to identify a kind of memorial It could be something real simple. Maybe it's a flag, help you remember their fallen comrades. Maybe it's a cross. Maybe you want to get a pocket cross and put it in your pocket just to remind you of the sacrifice of Jesus. Maybe it's an image or a picture and you just want to put it up in your home or on the refrigerator or on the mirror in your bedroom. Whatever it is, may we not forget 
Freedom is not free. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today to celebrate you, who you are, your goodness, your grace. Lord, we thank you that you are alive and well and you've been resurrected from the grave. And Father, there's nothing we need to fear in this life because of you. So God, we, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we enjoy and often take for granted right here in this nation. Lord, we're not a perfect nation, but we thank you for belonging here where we are free. May we always use our freedom with responsibility. Help us, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. At this time, we're going to recognize and honor three very important people, our VIPs for the day, our graduates, 2023 graduates from high school. And so I would like to invite Kiana James, come on down, and uh, Nicholas Reynolds and Carmelo Ray Winter. Would you please stand before us?